WDIY Lehigh Valley Public Radio presents Lehigh Valley Discourse. Provocative, informative, and newsworthy, Lehigh Valley Discourse brings you the people and the issues that move and shape our region here on WDIY. Good evening, Lehigh Valley, and welcome to Lehigh Valley Discourse. This is Sally Hanlon. I am your host this evening for this very special program, and our focus tonight is on the business of agriculture. You know, we are so fortunate here in the Lehigh Valley to have all the green lands, this open space that we have, even though we do have logistics creeping in. But we do have a lot of farms in our area. And I have a couple statistics I'd like to share with you before I bring in our guest this evening. Did you know that there are more than 13,300 certified crop consultants, they're called CCAs, in North America? And this program is active in U.S., Canada, and Mexico with mostly in the U.S., and it began almost 25 years ago. So crop consultants, the business of agriculture, it's not just, you know, farming per se, it's the business of agriculture. And so what is a certified crop consultant? It's an agronomist, an expert in the science of soil management and crop production who advises growers on agronomic practices, conducts educational programs, and does research in agronomy, manages other agronomists, and provides technical support to field agronomists. And they have to, or they can meet the standards of the program to be certified. So agronomist. And Sam, you are, you are a certified crop consultant. You're an uh, organic crop consultant at Rodale Institute, correct? That's right. All right. So listeners, our guest this evening is Sam Mauriot. And Sam is basically the person that you want to talk to if you are into organic or regenerative farming. But I'm going to let him first share a little bit about his background so you know what he brings to the table. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. My name is Sam. I'm the director of the Organic Consulting Program at the Rodale Institute. Our goal is to help as many farmers as possible transition to certified organic production. So that can be farmers from all backgrounds, uh, any style of agriculture that they're in currently. If they're interested in transitioning to a a new system that is profitable and has benefits for the environment and your operation, uh, we're here to help. So that's what we do. And Sam, what's involved in transitioning? If somebody has a traditional farm that has used chemicals or used GMO seeds, what's involved? That's a great question. There's, I think, one of the the most difficult parts of transitioning to this style of agriculture is what's called the three-year transition period. So if you're a a traditional or a conventional farmer um, and you'd like to transition to an organic production system, it takes 36 months from what we call the last prohibited substance application date until you can become eligible to become certified organic. And so during that three-year period, you're not allowed to use some of the tools that you may have relied upon in the past, like synthetic herbicides or fertilizers. You have to produce a crop organically, but you have to sell it for uh, commercial or conventional prices. So I would say that's one of the most difficult things. And uh, what we deal with the most is getting farmers through that transition period using different tools in a different system. So if I raise something organically, but I'm only in my first year, 
then the traditional value that I would get if I could advertise it as organic is more than the, the going rate of a regular farmed product, correct? If you're in your first year, if you're in your first year, you would still have to sell for a conventional price. But one of the benefits of transitioning is that in that third year, once you become eligible for certification, you're able to sell your product for sometimes between two and three times as much as the conventional price. So there is a payoff at the end. Okay. All right. And wow, that's very interesting. Before we get too much more into the transition and certified, I would like to provide our listeners with a little bit more knowledge about Rodale. Sometimes it's a, the Institute is a well-kept secret here in the Lehigh Valley, and it may be because you're in Maxitani and, and whatever, but they started back in the 40s with J.I., I guess, when he bought a rundown farm in Pennsylvania. So, you know, 1940s, uh, 80 years ago, started talking about healthy foods, healthy soils, what all has Rodale branched into besides, you know, what you're doing with the, the certified consulting? You're doing some other major things out there, plantation project, and you have your own farming available to CSA-type needs. Like you said, we, we've been around for a long time now, uh, and right now we're based in Kutztown, but originally our, our founder um, started the Rodale Institute in 1947, he, he founded it at, as under the Soil and Health Foundation, uh, which eventually became the institute under his name. But J.I. Rodale and his family, they, he's actually an entrepreneur from New York, and he created uh, electronic switches, actually, which eventually, once they moved from New York to Emmaus, where the farm first started, uh, that company, uh, probably familiar some uh, in the Lehigh Valley, became Lutron Electronics. And so after they... they that company moved to another member of the family. They started the Soil Health Institute. Uh, J.I. Rodale had some health problems throughout his life, and he was inspired by the writings of, of people like Sir Albert Howard and Lady Eve Balfour, who were talking about agriculture without chemicals. And that's what drove him to move the company to Emmaus. Eventually, we moved to the campus in Kutztown, where we are now, and start the Rodale Institute and Soil Health Foundation. That's really so, interesting. I didn't know about that Lutron connection. Yeah, it is really interesting, and it, it's nice to see these places still around today. Absolutely. That's terrific. So the Institute, or the Soil and Health Foundation, is credited with both developing awareness and support for organic farming, and as well as coming and coining the term regenerative agriculture. So we have organic in the 40s and regenerative in the 1980s. What's the difference? What, what's it important for us to know as individuals who are thinking about going into maybe this type of farming or individuals that are eating the products? That's a really good question. And the term regenerative is getting thrown around and used a lot today. And I think it's with good intention. It comes from a place where People want to say, we, we don't just want to maintain things or make it sustainable. Um, we want to make it better. So they've, they've turned to this term regenerative agriculture. And I would say the only unfortunate thing about that currently is that in most of these cases, regenerative agriculture doesn't have a standard attached to it like the USDA organic standard does. The USDA organic standard is a federal regulation. So it is, it is regulated by the government. And the problem is that with regenerative, there's no way to tell whether or not a farmer is regenerative. Really, they may be using some regenerative practices. That may mean cover cropping, uh, reduced tillage, composting, and things like that. 
But without a standard, there's no way for the consuming public to know whether or not that farm is implementing practices that they would like to see on farms. So the difference between organic and regenerative right now is, is first and foremost that organic actually does have a standard attached to it, and regenerative up until recently does not. Now, we, we've made an attempt in the past few years, along with the re, something called the Regenerative Organic Alliance, which is a group of other like-minded uh, companies and individuals, we have put a standard to the term regenerative. And that's something, because we, we recognize the value of organic agriculture at the, at the federal level, we've called this standard the Regenerative Organic Certification. Oh, okay. So uh, for organic farmers that want to become regenerative farmers but would like to be audited to a standard that consumers can trust, now we have the regenerative organic certification as well. So we still fully believe in the value of organic, and that is primarily what our consulting service focuses on, is helping conventional farmers get that USDA certification. But right now it's becoming a little fuzzy with the term regenerative and organic and understanding really what the difference is. Okay, so if organic is sustainability and regenerative is, is looking to grow it beyond that, is, I'm thinking back to some of my nutrition uh, courses that I took, and we, we had some farming individuals come in and, and talk to us about different aspects of healthy farming. Is, is it really sort of going back, regenerative, the old way of farming, where you're laying something fallow and then you're using, you know, maybe your your animal stock to fertilize. I'm not quite sure I get what would be the difference. Well, you're absolutely right. And some of the things you mentioned are some of the practices we, we feel like we're going back to or, or that we're learning, relearning again from, from people that were here long before us. But um, cover cropping and grazing and um, composting, those are all things that, that are coming around again as important practices that we can use in regenerative agriculture. Hmm. I'm a business person, Sam. So tell me, please, what, when you're trying to help someone transition, what are the types of areas that you would touch upon to help them bring their farm to the organic status? What, what all do you cover? Well, we'll consult with any farmer that's interested in whether you have a quarter acre uh, that you're producing on or, or up to, you know, even 10,000 acres. But some of the things that I think are important are to focus on practices that make your current level of production easier. And so some of the things I mentioned that help improve soil health and that we're calling regenerative practices, um, like cover cropping, can actually help boost yield for farmers. And things like grazing, some of the healthiest soils in the world are those that are grazed. If you can, you know, turn your dairy cows out to have them grazed rather than have them inside, you can really benefit the soil. So some of these things we're really focusing on, we try to visit every single farm that we work with, and then we try to keep in touch via phone, text, email, however we can to help them out and be a one-stop shop support system for them. So you're not alone in this transition, but what I would suggest to farmers uh, that might be interested in something like this is, number one, to give us a call. I mean, we're, we're always talking on the phone. We love to talk shop, and we can kind of help you project what this is going to look like. From a business standpoint, I think considering that consumers are going to continue asking for more information about where their food comes from and how it's produced, this is a good way to diversify your operation, your existing operation, and make sure that it's around for a long time in the future. 
um, not to mention that price premium that you'll get from being certified. So you mentioned a phone number, Sam. What would that phone number be? Well, the best number to call is our, we call it our consulting hotline, which is 610-683-1416. And usually then you'll, you'll talk to someone and be assigned a consultant to come out and visit you. Okay, so that's the, the consultant hotline, which is 610-683-1416, correct? You got it. Okay. Now, let me ask you a question that's just sort of buzzing around in my head. If I want to have organic crops and I also have dairy cows, do I need to be organic with both aspects of my business? No, you don't. That, that's a great question. The, there are plenty of split operations in the United States. In fact, that may be one of the most common forms of running an organic operation is having some conventional and some organic. Uh, you're not required to transition your animals to organic if you have a, if you have a conventional dairy. You can produce organic crops on the land around it and sell them off and uh, purchase in conventional feed if that's something you're interested in. But we always recommend that on the, in the long term, people consider transitioning their entire operation once they've got the hang of the practices that really make it important. So you consult basically with the farming practices. What about traditional business practices? Does that weave its way into what you're doing, like, you know, staffing and finances and all that kind of stuff? We do our best to consult on the business aspect of transitioning to organic. We know, uh, you know, a lot of equipment pricing and feed prices, and we can help people find markets and buyers. But we also have a partnership with uh, another consulting group called Kitchen Table Consultants. And sometimes we direct farmers to them to understand what is this going to mean for my business over the next two years or five years or 10 years? And how can I structure this thing so that it is as successful as it can be? So we have other people we rely on for that business-level consulting, but we find we can get pretty far with the information that we have. A lot of our team is made up of former farmers and certification specialists. So, so and you mentioned early on in our conversation that you like to keep in touch and visit with your clients. Where has that taken you? How far do you travel outside of Kutztown, Pennsylvania? Well, we've been all over the place, but we spend most of our time in Pennsylvania, and I think most of our success has been right here in the state. And that has come from support from the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture and state government. And really, you know, we have 160 farmers now that have signed on in this state to transition to certified organic production. And that represents about 11,000 acres in the state that is no longer going to have synthetic chemicals applied to it. And it will meet the standard of organic regulations that we think are really important in continuing agriculture into the future. So we've been all over, and it's it's really exciting to see how much interest there is. Yeah. Wow, 160. That's that's incredible. You know, I'm just sort of trying to, to look at numbers and, and acres and stuff. And what is the compelling reason that – how do you sell the farmers on this? What's the, the hook there? Okay. <laughs> Well, for, for us, it's it's sort of twofold, and I, you know, I was a farmer for twelve years prior to coming to the Rhode Island Institute. And uh, something that I think is really appealing is that sort of twofold environmental and economic incentive. So you have, if you're certified, you know, you can sell your crop for, you know, like I said, between two and three times the normal conventional price. That's the economic incentive. On the environmental side. We've shown in some of our long-term studies, one of our longest-term studies now 40 years old this year called the Farming Systems Trial, we've shown that, that 
our soil health is much, much higher than it was when we, we didn't have certified organic operation on our ground. So between soil health and that economic incentive, there's a lot to be gained here by transitioning. That's that's really what we try to tell farmers. That the difficulty then is is trying to figure out practically how we're going to do it, and that's something we can do together. Okay, so... Those are two very, very important aspects of of future. I remember reading when I was doing research on Rodale that even in the 1940s, there was some concern about soil health, you know, that we were already starting to see a a degradation of the soil capabilities. And we get so much of our nutrition, both micronutrients and trace minerals and all that kind of stuff for our food from the soil that I'm glad that 40-year study is showing progress. Right, and to your exact point, we're, we have a, a study that's fairly new called the, the Vegetable Systems Trial that is analyzing the nutrient density, the difference in nutrient density between conventionally produced and organically produced crops. Uh, so hopefully we'll get some information out of that as well uh, that will show really what we're trying to show, which is that healthy soil equals healthy food equals healthy people. Absolutely. I very much believe in that myself. Sam, we're coming to a close on our section of this Lehigh Valley Discourse. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be a part of this this evening. And if you could, again, give us that phone number if people are interested or a website that you would like to have them go see. Sure. Visit us anytime at rodaleinstitute.org, or you can call 610-683-1416. Thank you so much for taking the time to be a part of this. Thanks so much for having me. Okay, we're going to be taking a short break now, listeners. This is Sally Hanlon for Lehigh Valley Discourse. Stay with us. Representative McKenzie will be joining us. The business of agriculture. Spread the word about your business or organization to a well-informed audience. Become an underwriter with WDIY. Our lineup of NPR news and locally produced programs reaches thousands of engaged listeners in the Lehigh Valley and beyond. Underwriting on WDIY is an affordable and effective way to provide information about your product and services to people who care. To learn more about underwriting opportunities, 610-694-8100, extension 6, or WDIY.org. Galactic Travels brings you hour-long soundscapes of electronic, ambient, and space music. That's Thursday night at 11, right here on WDIY Allentown, Lehigh Valley Public Radio, 88.1 FM and WDIY.org. Many choices, real voices. Joining us now on Lehigh Valley Discourse is Representative Ryan McKenzie from the 134th Legislative District, which encompasses portions of Lehigh and Berks counties. Welcome, Representative McKenzie. Oh, thank you for having me on the show today. I'm so glad that we, we've got you here because you have been a strong supporter of agriculture, and, and that's the focus of this show. As, as you know, we are talking to Rodale about organic farming and what they're doing it for the business of organic farming. And recently, you were quoted as saying that 
Organic agriculture is a leading segment of our Pennsylvania agriculture and food industry. And you have maybe like, what, 2,100 farms in your county area? Yeah, so let me start by saying just as a whole, uh, Pennsylvania obviously is an agriculture leader in the entire country, and we have been very fortunate to maintain a lot of that industry here in the state. We see that agriculture is a leading industry for for our state specifically, and in all different types of areas, uh, from farm, dairies, uh, mushrooms in the southeast part of the state. We have a lot of real strengths uh, as an agricultural state, so that's something that I think we should be thankful for, and we want to continue to find ways to maintain and grow that industry here in Pennsylvania. And one of those spaces that has really been taking off in terms of consumer appetite, and I think producers are quite honestly trying to keep pace with it here in Pennsylvania, is the organic agricultural space. So uh, really something that we want to find ways to promote and continue to develop in our Commonwealth. And that is extremely important to the overall health of your constituents, is having that organic farming capabilities available, correct? That's correct. I mean, you know, when you look across the macro level, 75% of the United States' $3 trillion annual health care expenditure is related to preventable lifestyle diseases, including heart disease and type 2 diabetes. So uh, that that's something that is very concerning and should be concerning for all of us. At the same time, we're seeing that there are record levels of pesticides being used on crops. And so we want to find ways to make sure that people have healthy foods and healthy lifestyles. And one of those areas, obviously there are many things uh, that are possible, but one of those areas is organic farming and organic agriculture. So again, it's a, a growing space that I think because of those health reasons, a lot of people are looking to as consumers. And one of the challenges that I think is, again, an opportunity for us here is that in spite of all of the, the growth that we've seen in Pennsylvania's or, organic market uh, over the past couple of decades, we are still seeing that farmers can't produce enough to meet the demand of cons- customers here in Pennsylvania. And so we are continually importing organic products rather than producing them here in Pennsylvania. And so that's a real missed opportunity for the state's farmers and uh, an opportunity that I see for them to continue to make the transition to organic farming, which can be more profitable uh, for them and their farms. And so I think we want to see that uh, trend continue to happen where they're making a shift and, and producing more organic here in Pennsylvania. In my reading and my research, it takes a little bit of time to take a farm from traditional industrial farming to an organic farming. You have to do things with the land and the soil. Are there any incentives that our farmers have to go from this you know, post-war era farming to the more traditional organic farming? Is there anything yeah. in Harrisburg? Sure. So you, you are correct about that, that it does take time to transition. And it's, you know, it can be for some people, a totally new process that they're trying to learn and get up to speed on. And so one of the things that we have been able to do from a state perspective is that we did offer organic uh, funding for organic transitions. And so some of that uh, goes to places like Rodale Institute, and they are a a leader not only in the U.S. uh, and in Pennsylvania, but uh, across the entire world. They are a leader in this space where they help Uh, provide information and assistance, consulting and advice to uh, farms that are looking to make that transition and connecting them with 
you know, different suppliers that they may, may need, different uh, customer uh, markets that they can access. And they're helping the, these farms really make that transition. And that's free of charge. Uh, a lot of these programs are free of charge because they've received state assistance. Uh, and so farmers in the area are taking advantage of that, and we, we encourage that, and we encourage more people uh, to reach out to programs like Rodale and, and learn how they can make that uh, transition if that's something that they're interested in. Okay, but I didn't realize that there was state money involved in that. That's terrific because it's, as we all know, being in that particular industry as a farmer, you really don't have, your time is not your own. Mother Nature and a few other things sort of dictate your life. And it's it's so hard fitting things in. And so having some source of support that, you know, allows you to attend and not have some of the financial obligations is, is terrific. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, we want to continue to provide that assistance and and make sure that individuals and farms that are looking to make that transition can do so uh, in a cost-effective and and easy as a way possible for them. Now, Rodale sits right in the the Institute, sits right in the middle of your territory, correct? Uh, So it's just outside of the 134th district, but very close to the area that I represent in Berks County. Uh, it's in Representative Gary Day's district, and so both he and I uh, have been working collaboratively with with Rodale Institute. And uh, again, it's something that it's not just an asset that resides in one district or another. It's a, a great regional asset for a lot of farmers here in the area, and again, uh, also a leader, you know, nationally and globally on on the topic of organic and regenerative farming as well, which is a, a new area that they're they're pushing more into as well. Yeah, I know that they have that term regenerative that Sam has has spoken about. So that's great that we have that right with us and we can utilize it. And they're branching out. They've got centers in, I think, Georgia and out west and some other things. But we're very fortunate in the Lehigh Valley and in your district and Gary's district to, to have them so close by. So other than, you know, the additional state funding, uh, the other thing that occurs, and I'm sure you get involved with, is farm preservation. Yeah, absolutely. So a big supporter of farmland preservation. It's something that we have done very successfully in a lot of areas here in the 134th district, and we want to continue to see that happen. Um, And, you know, I think these two things go hand in hand, though, because oftentimes the reason why farms may not be uh, continued to be maintained in in an agricultural status is because of the economics of the property. And when the the economics start to break down, or maybe there's a transition uh, in a family from one generation to another, they say, hey, the economics don't just don't work for me in the way that I want to, you know, live my life. That oftentimes is the breaking point. And so the state has done a couple things. Uh, We have eliminated the inheritance tax for small family farms so that they can transition from one generation to the the next without paying taxes. Because in the past, it was often the case that just to pay the taxes on on a large property, uh, they would end up having to take on a new uh, mortgage or a new loan. And then that would kind of uh, burden the the finances of of the actual farm and its operations. uh, So they wouldn't be able to continue. So getting rid of the inheritance tax was a a very beneficial thing that we did at the state level. And then again, uh, it, it does tie into the organic farming, because what we've seen is organic farming is significantly more profitable. Uh, If done correctly, uh, we've seen that they can almost double uh, the profitability from uh, traditional farming. And so that that makes it more likely uh, that somebody 
even if it's you know put into preservation status, is actually going to be able to economically continue to to manage that property. And it's not just because there is a premium that's paid for organic products. Uh, there are also potential cost savings that come about from uh, reducing agrochemicals and GMO seeds and the potential risk of crop failures from monocrop systems. So, you know, those costs come down, your pre- your uh, revenue can go up, and all of a sudden uh, you can turn an unprofitable farm uh, possibly into a, a profitable farm uh, through transitioning to organic. And again, that, that makes it more likely uh, that you are able to preserve farmland uh, in addition to there are uh, state and local, you know, benefit packages for farmland preservation as well. Uh, But at the same time, you do need to think about the long-term viability and profitability of these farms if you want to have a successful farmland preservation program. Representative McKenzie, we're going to have to close this session, but can you please provide us with a way that people can contact you, whether it's a website or how you prefer to be contacted? Sure. They can reach out. The best way is through our website, and that's repmckenzie.com, repmckenzie.com. And on the website, we have some of this information. And if they're looking for more information, they can simply email us, and we'll be able to get them the, the appropriate information. Representative McKenzie, thank you so much for being a part of this very important show for our Lehigh Valley listeners. Greatly appreciate your time and your knowledge about this topic. Thank you. Thank you. And I would like to thank James Johnson, who's our News and Information Director, for keeping an eye on us. And listeners, most of all, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen in this evening to WDIY's Lehigh Valley Discourse. This is Sally Hanlon. 